This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us join in the call to worship. God of the past, who whispered in prophets' ears, who rescued us from captivity and led us out of the wilderness, we are here to thank you. God of the future, who promises us a new day, who will tear down what is broken and open wide the gates of heaven, we are here because we trust you. God of this day, who is present with us now, who sets the table and invites us to join the feast, we are here to praise you. transparent with each other about our lives and about our living. Let us offer to God the truth as we pray. Gracious God, your faithfulness startles us. We complain, wander, and stumble. You shine a light to guide our way. We are broken, wounded, and afraid. You gather us in and take on our burdens. We are full of questions, doubt, and indignation. 
You offer us a place at your table. We wonder how this could be possible, and through it all, you show us love everlasting and life eternal. Help us, O God, be as faithful to you as you are to us. God brings us new life when our bones are dry and hope when we are hopeless. God washes us in mercy and ignites us with the Spirit. God welcomes our whole self, all the bits and pieces, whether glued together or barely hanging on. In the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, we are free to try again. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so just as Christ shared words of peace with the people around him, let us do the same. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Please share the peace.
friends, welcome once again to worship on this Lord's Day. It is good to be together. Whether you are a first-time visitor or a long-time member, we are glad that you are here. Your presence makes us better. Jesus assures us that any time two or three are gathered in his name, surely he is there in that place, and surely the Lord is in this place this morning on this Pledge Dedication Sunday. If you have not already done so, I invite you, if you are seated near the ends of the pews, to find those maroon pew pads, sign your name, and pass them down and back again. As you do that, if you see the names of someone that is not familiar to you, I encourage you to change that before you leave today so that all might feel welcome and at home here at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. As you are tending to that, a few announcements to share with you. As I mentioned, today is our Pledge Dedication Sunday, and so our service today will end a little differently than it often does. Um, Following the benediction, you are invited to come forward during the postlude and leave your pledge card in the baptismal font here. I'll explain why we do it that way later, but in terms of logistics, if you have your pledge card with you and it's filled out, we invite you to leave it at that time. There are pledge cards in your bulletins and in the pews if you didn't bring it with you. And if you are still figuring out some of the Um, details of your pledge, we are glad to receive them even after this morning. Someone earlier today asked me, why do we ask you to pledge versus give? And please know that any gift that is given to the church, we are incredibly grateful for that. We ask you to pledge in part because it is a theological statement of giving of ourselves to God. Um, We also ask for it for a practical reason. When we know about how much income we will have, that enables us to plan our budget accordingly. So both for theological and practical reasons, we encourage you all to make a pledge to God's work in this church this morning. After you have done that, or whether you have or not, in fact, um, we have, our series has been Come to the Table. We hope that you will do that all throughout the service and after as well. There will be a brunch downstairs in the parish hall. All of you are invited to come and join together at that time. At that brunch, there will be a table with the angel tree names that are available. There are still a number of individuals and families that need our help to ensure that they have a Merry Christmas for their families. So if you are able to help with that ministry, they will be downstairs at the brunch, and we encourage you to sign up. A couple of other announcements which are all listed in your bulletin, so I will mention them only briefly. Next Friday is the New York City Children's Chorus Benefit here at the church. It begins at 6 p.m. Next Sunday, the Hood Library Fellowship has their annual book sale between the services. Later that same day, St. Andrew Chorale and Orchestra has a concert at 3 p.m. Do note that on December 1st, it is hard to believe we are talking about December, but we are. There will be one service only that day at 10.30. Following that service, we will have an Advent festival as a way of inviting us all, of all ages, into the Advent season together. These are but some of the ways we are the body of Christ together here in this place, and now we turn ourselves to the Word of God.
Good morning. The reading this morning is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. And first, let us bow our heads in prayer. Gracious God, enable us to hear the word you speak to us this day, and give us grace enough to keep our help our lives reflect its truth. Amen. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it, or the cry of distress. Nor more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox but the serpent, his food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
just want to check, are there any young children in the congregation? Okay, young people, you're also welcome to come forward as well. Any of the young people back there? Okay, all right. Here, how about y'all come join me here at the steps? Brian and Greta, come turn this way. Um, So, what I have here is a poster that was colored on um, on Fridays for Children, so on Friday, and then this morning, I just want to show you, what does that say? God said. Can everyone see? God said. So my question is, what, what does God say? What has God told us? What has God told us? Any thoughts? Let's see. God said... Let there be light. God said, I will make a promise with you. God said, I will always be with you. God said, peace be with you. God said, I will love you forever. And then God said, take and eat and remember me. Where do we say those words? Take and eat, remember me. And anyone in the congregation can answer as well. Right here, right at the table, right every single week, we say, take, eat, remember me. And we say this because God wants us to remember all the good things God has done for us and promised us. And so because God has made promises with us as a church and as God's people, we also should make a promise back to God, which is why today is Pledge Dedication Sunday. In a way... God has made promises to us, and we are giving a promise back by pledging. So, what I invite you to do is you'll find one of these pledge cards in uh, your pew, and you don't have to worry about the top part, but somewhere on there, whether on the back or on the front, write your name, and then think of a promise you want to make towards God and towards the church. It could be praying more, it could be bringing money every week, maybe a dollar, a quarter, whatever it is. Um, And then at the end of the service, when everyone else comes forward and puts theirs in the font, y'all are invited to do the same. All right? So please pray with me, and you don't have to repeat after me. I will pray. So let us pray. Loving God, we take, we eat, we remember. We remember all the good things you have done for us, and we want to give good things in return. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank y'all. Friends, our New Testament lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 through 43. This passage takes place shortly after the resurrection, after Jesus is raised, and then, as the Gospel of Luke tells it, Jesus walks with some men on the road to Emmaus. They don't recognize him until he takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, and shares it with them. Then, Scripture says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Those men went, and they told the disciples what had happened. That takes us through verse 35. Today we begin with verse 36. While they were talking about all that had taken place, 
Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your heart? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I owe our confirmation class an apology for this sermon. You see, every time we gather together, we eat. We eat together because it's practical. We tend to meet right after this service concludes. But it's also theological. We've been talking for the past few weeks about how Jesus' ministry is in so many ways defined by his table. Where it can be found, who is invited, what he says, and why people keep coming back for more. But more than anything, our confirmation class begins with a shared meal because it's relational. You learn an awful lot about one another when you eat together. It was at our table that I learned just how stressful applying to high school really is. It was at our table that I learned who prefers dogs and who prefers cats and who can't distinguish between gerbils and hamsters. It was at our table that I learned there would be one hard and fast rule when it came to our menu. Absolutely no fish. Ever. In my defense, this sermon isn't entirely my fault. Jesus asks for something to eat, and it's the disciples who give him fish. Now, broadly speaking, this should come as no surprise to us, at least... Well, maybe the fish is a surprise, but the fact that Jesus eats is not. The way that the Gospels tell it, Jesus eats throughout his ministry. So if he spends his life eating, why shouldn't he spend his resurrected life eating too? The details are a bit different. He comes to his anxious disciples and offers them peace. He calms their fears, shows them his hands and his feet. And then he, the one who always offered the meal, the one who has always been the provider, the one who can take water and turn it into wine and take crumbs and turn them into a feast, well, this time he asks them for something to eat. Ben Witherington and Amy Jill Levine are some of the foremost scholars of the Gospels. One of them is Christian and the other is Jewish, and together they observe that post-resurrection, the disciples are still doubting. And then in a startling non-sequitur, they say, Jesus asks if they have anything to eat. Given the images of food, feeding, and table that permeate this gospel, this request is more than just a wish for a late-night snack. 
Never does Jesus state that he is hungry. The food he requires is not for his own sustenance. It is for the disciples' instruction. Ghosts do not eat, and neither do angels, but resurrected bodies do. Look, he says, it's me. It's really me. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. And look, watch me eat. You remember how often we ate together, right? I still need to eat. We still need to eat. Look, he says, it is I myself. And in saying that, he is telling them death has lost its power to destroy anything about him. Fred Craddock was a preacher with a particular gift for storytelling. One of his most memorable anecdotes was about how he and his sisters would pass the time during long summers in his small town. They would play games together, and one of his favorites was hide-and-seek. He says that he loved this game because even in his adulthood, he was a rather small man, so he was an even smaller child, and that gave him a considerable advantage while hiding. He said that he could hide in places his sisters didn't even know were places. And so one day, in the middle of the game, he crawled up under the front steps. He got under the very bottom step, up against the porch. His sisters, they were running up and down those steps looking for him, but he was perfectly hidden, out of sight, and in the dark. He thought to himself, they will never find me. They will never find me. They will never find me. And then it dawned on him, they will never find me. And so, he said, he stuck his toe out from under the steps. And as soon as he did that, one of his sisters screamed, I found you. You see, even in that game... Even when we think what we want is to hide, what we really want is to be found. And resurrection promises us that this much is true. We are found forever. Absolutely nothing about us is lost. And this table reassures us every time that you do not need to hide. There is a place for you here, so come and eat. You see, the way that God made this world, the way that Jesus understands this world, the way that we are called to move through this world, food is about nutrition, but never just about nutrition. And like we learned last week, clothes are about our wardrobe, but never just about our wardrobe. And stewardship, it is about money and generosity, But it is never just about money and generosity. I am convinced that stewardship at its very deepest core is about love. And ultimately, that's why we're reading this scripture passage on this day. It's the very last story of Jesus sharing a meal. And with this particular meal, he promises that resurrection ensures that we will never be left behind. Look, it's me. It is I myself, he says. 
This is not a trick. It's me, just the way you have always known me. And it's me, different than you have ever known me before. So of course he asks if they have anything to eat. I can't imagine that they could eat even a single bite with him and not remember all of the other meals they had shared. The last time was in that upper room with bread that he broke and the cup that he poured. He told them that this world would break his body, but it could not break his love. And that's exactly what they were witnessing. There was that meal at Levi's house. Levi, the tax collector, if you remember him, it was at that meal that Jesus showed his followers that he would not treat unrighteous people the way that we do. We tend to keep our distance, but not Jesus. He always goes right where the brokenness is. There was the feeding of the 5,000 where the disciples, they turned and they looked at the crowd and they wanted to send them away. Them is such a lonely word. Jesus couldn't do that because to him, they weren't them. They were us. He visited Mary and Martha, who each approached his visit and meal preparations differently. And he reminded us that sometimes, particularly when your world is falling apart, we need to listen to Jesus. And there was his meal with Zacchaeus. After that meal, Zacchaeus spent every day practicing his faith. He took care of the poor, and he was fair in his work, and he trusted that someday salvation would come. An awful lot happened at that table. An awful lot happens every time Jesus comes to a table. Every time we come to a table, because what Jesus reveals here is how life is to be lived. At the table, we see the world the way that it is, but we also see the world the way the power of God's love can make it. When Jesus is at the table, we, well, we get a taste of our own future. It's where relationship is claimed and friendship is practiced. It's where grace is served and forgiveness is sampled. And it's where our very best selves are called forth. Our best selves individually, but also our best selves as a church. Here is what I'm trying to say, that resurrection is not just life that never ends. I don't think that would actually be very good news at all. Resurrection is life that is redeemed, life that is transformed. It's when we become exactly the way God has always intended for us to be. I've been thinking an awful lot about time and history lately, and how what happens, I think, is that we spend our entire lives becoming ourselves. We spend a lifetime becoming the person we are. This is, this is what I mean. This is the very best way I know to explain it. 
When I was 10 years old, I loved reading. I loved it so much, I really didn't want to do anything else. Birthdays and Christmases were full of books and more books. There was probably some clothes and socks thrown in, but I didn't care about any of that. I just wanted to read. But by the time I was 15, that had changed a little bit. I still loved to read, but in high school I had discovered field hockey, and so I would wake early every morning and run a few miles before school. I would stay after school for practice, and every night before bed, much to the dismay of my parents, I would go into the basement and practice even a bit more. Anytime I thought about college, I thought how I wanted to go to a good school, but I wanted to make sure I could keep playing hockey while I was there. When I was 20, I was in college. I was majoring in creative writing and I was playing field hockey. But then I broke my ankle and I missed most of the season my junior year. And it was during that time that I realized there are a whole host of other activities that happen at college when you don't spend your whole time on a playing field. I had written occasionally for the school newspaper, but with more time on my hands, I was invited to be one of the editors. When my senior year rolled around, I didn't go back to playing hockey anymore. Somehow it didn't matter as much as it once had. And it was in those last years of college that I wandered into a Presbyterian church for the first time. You see, there are still traces of that 10-year-old and that 15-year-old and that 20-year-old in me. But they are a little harder to find these days. Last month, I turned 40. I still love reading. But I now realize that no matter how many books I read, I am not likely to read all of them before I die. I still run, but now it's mainly in circles around my dining room table chasing a puppy. I spend more time in church each week now than I did in an entire year of my childhood. And every day I walk down busy New York streets, a far cry from my Midwest upbringing. Now, if at age 10 or 15 or 20, you would have told me who I would be now, I would have told you it was utterly impossible. I couldn't have even imagined such a thing. And the mystery is that I am both at the same time. I am and I'm not the 10-year-old who wouldn't ever take her nose out of the book. I am that kid, but I'm not that kid. The process of becoming who we are, it takes a lifetime, and it isn't completed until the resurrection. Not one of us is finished. Now this is true for me again, and it is true for you again, but most importantly on this day, it is true for us as a congregation. We are who we have been. That is not lost or diminished, not a single bit. But neither is God finished with us. 
Jesus is asking us here and now, today, do you have anything to eat? And here's what I know. Every time we gather at this table, he shows up and grace is served and hope is known and we get a taste of our future. I don't know what it will look like. I do trust that it will be absolutely delicious, even if you don't like fish. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. as you are able, and let us respond to the hearing of God's word by confessing the faith of the church together, using the Apostles' Creed as you find it printed in your bulletins. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, 
the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us gather our hearts together in prayer. God of grace and God of glory, God of all giving and all things good, we come before you today humbled by how generous you have been with us. You have entrusted the world to us. Help us to be good stewards of your creation, ever seeking ways to improve how we live so that our home would flourish. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You have provided community for us within these walls and outside these walls. Help us honor your command to love our neighbors, all of our neighbors, even those with whom we disagree. Where there is need, may we lend a hand. Where there is loneliness, may we offer companionship. Where there is exclusion or discrimination, may we offer welcome and acceptance. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You have invited us to your table time and time again. Help us, God, respond to that invitation with grace and humility, and help us work tirelessly toward the day when all people know how unconditionally they belong and how deeply they are loved. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are hospitalized, including Francois Salatcombe, Louis Rodriguez, Cash Dunlap, Marjorie Norris, and Francis Dawson. Bring healing to their bodies and hope to their spirits. Fill their doctors and nurses with your wisdom and your tenderness, and offer comfort to their friends and families. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who long to be with us in body but cannot, including Judy Shedden, Patricia Carlton, Margaret Davies, and Sheila Weiss. Remind them that your love, which stretched every border and crossed every boundary, reaches them wherever they are. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are grieving, including the families and friends of Gail Rumble, Norman Nebel, Jack McDonough, Marianne Agnes Cox, and Ramel Seralde. We pray with thanksgiving for these lives. And we pray with thanksgiving for the life of Esther Minton Stellwagen, in whose memory the chancel flowers are given this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. To offer you these prayers is to be your people, God. It is to be your church. And so we pray for the church, this church, Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church, that we would listen for your voice. Keep watch for your direction, trust in your faithfulness, and depend upon you fully. May we bear witness to who you are in all that we say and do. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Friends, at this time, mindful of all of this and more, may we respond to God with our own demonstrations of love and grace through our tithes and offerings.
While the disciples, women and children included, were talking, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you, once again revealing his divine resurrection. But then Jesus asked them the most basic human question, Have you anything here to eat? I don't know about you, but I have been asked that question many times on a street corner, on the Q train, in our shelter, at a hospital, in my own home. But there's more behind that question than food, and maybe you are here asking that question as well. Have you anything here to eat? And so if you are asking that question... Know that there is something here for you. Something around this table is here for you. So come to this table where no one is turned away. Come to this table where questions are welcomed and certainties are heard. Come to this table where all of you, each part of you, is welcome and loved. Come to this table knowing that this is God's table And God is the one who invites you. The Lord be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let us pray. God of grace, we give you thanks and praise for this world and all that fills it. We wonder at the intricacies of your creation, the vastness of the universe and the beauty that surrounds us. You made us in your image and set us in this world to be good stewards of all you have given us. You call us to care for your creation, love you with our whole being, love our neighbors, and serve those in need as we would serve you. When we get caught up in our own concerns and desires, when we turn from you and reject your ways, you never give up on us. Your love is steadfast. You lead us back when we wander, calling us once again to follow you and live in love. For all this, we lift our hearts in gratitude and our voices in praise as we join with the choirs of heaven and all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your holy name. Thank you, O God, for sending us your Son, Jesus the Christ, to become one of us. He revealed your love and taught us how to live. He healed those who suffered and forgave those who strayed. He welcomed sinners, 
cared for the poor, and challenged those who abused their power. We thank you that Jesus shared our pain and died our death, then rose to new life that we might live and all creation be restored. Remembering your boundless love revealed to us in Jesus Christ, we break this bread and share this cup. Giving ourselves to you in joy and praise, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ, transforming us that we may be Christ's body for the world. By your Spirit, unite us with Christ and one another until we feast with him and with all your saints in your eternal realm of justice and peace. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, we pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it as my remembrance. The Apostle Paul tells us that every time we share this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are holy things to make us holy, the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for this feast of grace and life. As we have been served, help us to serve our neighbors. As we have been fed, help us to feed all who are hungry. As we have been loved, help us to spread your love. In your name we pray. Amen. differently today following the benediction during the postlude all those who have filled out their pledge cards are welcome to come forward and place them in the font mindful that many of you have pledged already we invite you to fill out a card in the pew either indicating that you have already pledged or leaving a prayer request on the back so that you may also come forward if you desire We do this at the font because in baptism we are reminded that we belong to God. And in our giving we are reminded that all that we have and all that we are comes from God. So let us give with grace and abundance, with faithfulness and joy. And so may joy and nothing less follow you all the days of your life. May you be blessed and may you be a blessing. And may you rest well today, secure in the knowledge that the Lord of light is. 
who has brought you this far already, will lead you and countless others all the way home. Amen. Thank you.